Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians broadcast. I'm your host, founder and ministry leader, Brandon Dawson. Now, exactly at 12.34 today, Saturday, October 14th, the Ring of Fire annular solar eclipse stretched its path of totality across the southern western coast of the United States to the southern central border of Texas. Now we know exactly what these eclipses mean. Stay tuned as I'm going to explain to you the exact prophetic implications of what these eclipses actually mean in biblical prophecy and the imminent grave warning that they speak to the world. Now, in all my years of teaching and running this prophetic ministry, one consistent fact that I have said to you over the years is that there are absolutely no coincidences with God. Just after I dropped my wife off at work today, as soon as I got home, flipped on the news, and at that very exact moment, 12.34 p.m., the Ring of Fire's annual total solar eclipse totality was making its way across the skies. Now, I had been praying the entire week for Israel, for the Lord to reveal to me what exactly his response will be in the aftermath of these horrific attacks. And that answer was surprisingly revealed through this eclipse. Exactly one week to the very day from when Israel was attacked on October 7, 2023, on the Jewish Sabbath, we have a ring of fire solar annual eclipse occurring on this very day. October 14th, again, on the Sabbath. One week exactly and on the Sabbath. Ladies and gentlemen, again, there are no coincidences with God. And I can say for 100% certainty, we know exactly what these eclipses mean. And they are indeed a grave prophetic warning to the nations in connection to Israel, in which we absolutely need to be paying attention to. Because in the Bible... The sun and the moon, the moon symbolizes in prophetic prophecy representing the nation of Israel, where the sun symbolizes the Gentile nations. The Bible is 100% faithful and true. God, the God of Israel lives. He is 100% faithful and true to his word. He is certainly a jealous God, and he is about to move in ways that the world has not ever seen before on behalf of his beloved, on behalf of his inheritance, his chosen land, and his chosen people, Israel. Now, I've got a clip from the uh, NASA's live stream of the eclipse I want to show you guys. I want you to take a very careful look and listen very closely to what is being said. I mean, this and is I'm your just... first annular eclipse. I mean, was it what you expected? It is to hear. I mean, we've seen all of the photos from previous annular eclipses, but just as I look again, I mean, it's, it's incredible how the moon and the sun are able to line up like this. And again, I mean, the, the moon is way smaller than the sun, but right now it's really given it's a given it a run for its money it is yeah. why is that well so a little fun fact about our moon it's pretty incredible it's 400 times smaller than the sun but it's also 400 times closer to the earth no and that 400 is the magic number here yeah the yeah. fact that that 400 and 400 that means in the sky the moon and the sun appear to be the same size and that is unique to us on earth no other 
planet in our solar system has that ratio that makes it so special. So you're saying that if we viewed an eclipse on another planet, it wouldn't it wouldn't look like this. It wouldn't. I mean, I, I'm sure it would be great to see, but it would not look as spectacular as this. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna turn behind me really fast. Yeah. Looking around, and you can just see everything. The shadows are a little bit different. It's dim. You get this hazy feeling, but the sky is still blue. That's what's strange about it. Oh, it's so sweet. We've got parents like holding little eclipse glasses <laughs> on their kids to look up. This is just, it's really amazing how just like, I don't know, a natural phenomenon can yeah. really make the world pause for a second. Right. Wow. You heard the cheering and, and now it's know, quiet now again it's as quiet. people are just looking. And so, for us, this is going to last about four minutes until it crosses, right? That's right. And why, why is that? Is that the same in every city? or? Yeah, so there's actually the, the length of the maximum eclipse can change based on several factors. I mean, each eclipse is unique. And so, one thing has to do with where in the moon's orbit the moon is, because the moon's orbit isn't circular. So, it will go faster and slower at different parts, and that will make the shadow travel at different speeds. Also, where the shadow is landing on Earth will have an impact because if you're at the equator, you're going to be rotating much faster than if you were at the poles. And so for that fact, it changes the length of that maximum eclipse too. And that's true not just for annular eclipses, but for the partial eclipses, for for the totality, uh, for total solar eclipses as well. And that's exactly correct. The moon is 400 times smaller than the sun and is 400 times closer to the earth. That very number is what makes these eclipses not only possible on earth, it is as if those possibilities aren't miraculously enough, this particular eclipse also lasted for four minutes. And as I said in the video, for four minutes, it was as if the entire world was on pause to witness the event. A major significant sign, make no mistake about this, God is indeed communicating to the world not only about what he's about to do, but what is also about to come. Major prophetic events about to reshape the entire planet and history. Now that number, both the number 4 and the number 400, are extremely very significant in biblical prophecy, and it is specifically connected to this very Jewish New Year. Now let me explain. You see, according to the book of Genesis in chapter 1, verses 14 through 19, the Lord God did not create the sun and the moon until the fourth day. And when God created the sun and the moon on the fourth day, the Lord said that their purpose would be to mark important times and seasons for the festivals and for signs on the earth. Surprisingly, it's important to note that God did not create plant life and vegetation until or he created them on the third day, which preceded the creation of the sun and the moon. The moon's gravitational pull shapes tides, climate, weather, and rain. So without the moon, without the sun, there's no tides, there is no climate, and there is no rain uh, as they regulate the water temperatures between the hemispheres. Therefore, uh, again, there was no rain. Even Genesis 2-3 tells us that rain did not appear on the earth, yet instead God used mist and streams uh, of water from the streams to water the earth. So rain didn't actually arrive until Noah's flood. That actually emphasizes the very purpose of the creation of the sun and the moon. 
Now, crucially, the sun and the moon also dictate time, including the hours, including seasons and the months. This is where the uh, Hebrew calendar uh, derives from and how they were able to calculate the Jewish festival feast. Now, Genesis 1.14 underscores the creation, again, to signify significant events, seasons, and festivals. So time as we know it today didn't actually begin until the fourth day. So this number four actually symbolizes time. Now, additionally, the number four also holds significance in symbolizing direction. Navigation relies on the sun and the moon to determine direction. So now we are specifically not only dealing with uh, direction, but we are also dealing specifically with time, with the marking of the times, with dealing with seasons, direction, discernment, and specifically uh, significant major signs and events occurring in the earth. Now, Genesis in Genesis 1.14, the word that is used in that verse for the word sign is the he- uh, in the Hebrew is the word uth which it originates from the root word from strong concordances uh, H225, uth, which means to consent. Pay very special close attention to this. Uth comprises of three Hebrew letters of Aleph, Vav, and Tav. Now, Aleph symbolizes power and strength like an ox head. Vav signifies a tent peg, which denotes securing or hooking. And Tav represents cross sticks to mark or signal. Now, together, when you put them all together, and for the word, for sign, together they evoke the image of a plowman guiding an ox harness to a plow, aiming for a distant landmark on the horizon to maintain a straight furlough. Consent originates from the covenant, making a word, Parties agree on a destination akin to an ox reaching a landmark when plowing. And a sign originates from covenant marking, serving as a reminder for both parties. So this word specifically derives from the covenant land of Israel. Now, when you overlay the past of totality for all three eclipses, right, from 2017, from the one that just occurred today and the one coming in April, you put it together on a map and you compare them with the Hebrew letters, you get literally the words Aleph, Tav, and Vav, spelling out sign. Aleph is the first letter, while Tav is also the very last letter, which symbolizes both the beginning and the end, akin to God being the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. Now, Tav also holds profound meaning. The eclipse paths of 2017 and 2024 will be intersecting, which resembles the Tav, which signifies a marking or a signaling. Tav appears Twice, only twice in the Bible, which the most prominent example is found in Ezekiel chapter 9, where it marks those who mourn the sins over the first Jewish temple just before Babylon's destruction. So this marking context is tied to the Exodus Passover and also tied to the mark of beasts found in Revelation 13. Now, the Hebrew letter Vav also carries a numeric value of six, which symbolizes representing man and connecting to the mark of the beast. So with these eclipse signs intertwined, we are witnessing the very beginning and the end, a marking taking place in the sign of man over 
the nation. So as of September 15th of 2023, we are officially in the Jewish New Year for 5784. That's correct. 5784. The numerical value for the letter Tav, that letter symbolizing a mark, also represents the numerical value of 400. Now, that is the same number of years in which Israel was enslaved to Egypt until God miraculously delivered them out in the Exodus story. That is also the same number of years between the book of Malachi, which is the very last book of the Old Testament, until the very first book of the New Testament being Matthew, where the gospel message of Christ arrives on the earth 400 years. Now, the path of totality of this eclipse lasted for four minutes, which symbolizes the Hebrew year for 5784. Now, the letter, the letter for the number four in the Hebrew is the word dalet, which means door. It symbolizes a transitioning period. So the overall meaning of that number in connection to the fourth day, the creation of the sun and the moon symbolizing the appointed times, and the seasons, and also in connection to the top, the marking, the aleph, and the beginning, and the end, the vav, the sign of man, with this eclipse occurring exactly one week on the Sabbath after Israel was brutally attacked. All this is telling us that is a it is indeed the appointed time and season. The appointed time and season has now come. Now, Zechariah 12, 2-5 says, Going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding na nations or all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. And on that day, when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. On that day, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness, declares the Lord. I will keep a watchful eye over Judah, and I will bind all the horses and the nations. Then the clans of Judah will say in their heart, The people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. Now this passage reveals to us the very beginning point of the end, the starting with the war of Gog and Magog, when Jerusalem and Judah which is the West Bank, is attacked. But the Bible gets even more specific than that, and it tells us exactly who attacks Israel first, why they attack Israel, and what leads to the very starting of the end times in this Gog and Magog war. Take a look. Ezekiel 38, 10-12, which says, On that day thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations rich in livestock and goods living at the center of the land. Now, at the time that Israel was just attacked this past week, Israel was in the process of securing a historic normalization deal with Saudi Arabia. Okay, This was the very last major Muslim-leading nation in the Middle East that has not officially joined the Abraham Accords in recognizing the sovereignty of Israel. Now, over the past three years, Israel began to massively prosper in the major business deals uh, with the surrounding Muslim nations under the Abraham Accords. Exactly as the Bible tells us, they were prospering. 
And it was at that very moment that the Islamic terrorist militant group Hamas, in fact, took notice. And they attacked Israel to prevent the deal occurring between them and Saudi Arabia, exactly as it was foretold. They went in and attacked over 22 villages that were unwalled, unsuspecting, living peacefully and abundantly in the very heart of the land, exactly as the Bible said that it would happen. Take a look. Joel 3, 1 through 6, the Bible even specifically names Hamas and Hezbollah. In those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, Jerusalem and Judah will, uh, were restored. Now, Jerusalem and Judah were restored to the Jewish people in the 1967 Six-Day War and also securing that sovereignty exactly 50 years ago on the 1973 Yom Kippur Wars, which is a day of atonement, the Day of Atonement. So 50 in the Bible symbolizes liberation, freedom, and it's where land is restored and captives are set free. All the debts are erased. Now it goes on to say, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations, divided up my land. They cast lots for my people, traded boys for prostitutes, and they sold girls for wine to drink. So this is talking about the very beginning stages of when the nations, every single nation on the face of the earth, including Europe and the United States, will be judged for their involvement in the division of the land and the persecution of the Jewish people. This is not just about future events to come, but all events that have happened since the very beginning of time, dealing with the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, Persian Greek, Roman Empires, even Nazi Germany, uh, Nazi Germany and what the European nations that were involved in uh, the World War I, World War II persecution of Israel and the Holocaust, and yes, even the United States, because in 2020, the U.S. put forward a plan for a two-state solution that would have divided up the land. And it was the most uh, successful attempt, and it was uh, abandoned, uh, and it was the abandoned U.S. weapons that were left in Afghanistan, even the weapons uh, in Ukraine, that ended up in the hands of Hamas, which were used to attack Israel, and the funds that the United States gave to Iran the billions of dollars unfrozen in assets were used to channel to fund to Hamas to wage war against Israel. So every single nation, including the United States, is indeed guilty uh, and the appointed time of this judgment has began. Now take a look at this. It gets even more specific. Verses 4 and 6, which tell us, now what have you against me, Tyre and Sidon and all you regions of Philistia? Are you repaying me for something I have done? Because if you are paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily return on your own heads what you have done. For you took my silver and my gold, you carried off my finest treasures to your temples, you sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks that you might send them far from their homeland. Now, if you take a look at a map, Tyre and Sidon are the very uh, are in the southern parts of Lebanon, which are not only once the areas of the very Assyrian Empire, right, where the story of Jonah and Nineveh came from, but also are the exact areas where the terrorist organization Hezbollah is located. Now, Philistia is a Greek word coming from the name Philistines. It is the exact 
region where the sworn enemy of Israel dwelt in, which today is the area of the Gaza Strip where Hamas is located. So the Bible indeed clarifies and identifies specifically Hamas and Hezbollah, the Philistines and the Assyrians who attack Israel, which start the Gog and Magog War. Now, these terrorist organizations knew that if they attacked Israel, that Israel would retaliate, right? They were planning on it because if uh, they are betting on Iran and Syria and the other nations to come to the aid of Hamas and wage an all-out war against Israel, right? The very event that is described exactly in the Bible that would mark the birthing pains, the very beginning of the birthing pains and into the times of Jacob's trouble. Now, if none of that has convinced you, if none of that is enough, there is uh, another piece that I want to show you. Take a look. In the times of Jonah and at the preaching of Nineveh, there occurred a solar eclipse, which served as a major warning sign to those nations to repent, which many, many scholars attribute to one of the factors that led to Nineveh repenting. Now, on August 21st of 1914, right? Uh, 103 years uh, on the anniversary of the 2017 solar eclipse, right? At the very beginning of World War I, there was a massive solar eclipse where the path of totality traveled across Europe and across the very Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was the very last Muslim caliphate that existed. It was made up of it was made up of the historical biblical areas of Assyria, and this was a sign of coming destruction in the end to the Ottoman Empire, which the Ottoman Empire ceased to exist by 1922, by the very end of World War One. Now there is still one last final piece of information that I want to show you guys if you are still not convinced. Ezekiel 38. 18 through 19. This is what will happen that day when Gog attacks the land of Israel. My hot anger will be aroused, declares the sovereign Lord. In my zeal and my fiery wrath, I will declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now, if you pull up the map, right, you pull up a map of the totalities from the eclipses of 2017, 2023, the one that just occurred in 2024 over the United States. The Tav, the very intersecting pass of totality, marks the new uh, marks New Madrid, Missouri, which is where the Madrid fault line uh, is, which could split the U.S. Uh, right uh, down the middle through the Mississippi River should a massive earthquake strike. Now, I believe that there won't be just a massive earthquake that hits the U.S., but perhaps this is a prophetic uh, message warning of the coming massive earthquake that will hit Israel at the time when the nations move to attack it. So therefore, this is absolutely clear to me that the judgment of the nations is coming and it is beginning. The war of Gog and Magog is coming. The return of Jesus is coming. We are on the cusp of the very emergence of the Antichrist and the very beginning of the tribulation period. If the, uh, if your house is not in order yet, I would encourage you guys do everything you can right now. Get your hearts in alignment right now with God. Get your house in order. If there's any sin in your life, any unconfessed sin, do not wait any longer. Do not put it off because uh, turn away from it. Turn to the Lord because our hope and our redemption 
is drawing near.